the Bavada at Odds podcast. My name is Seth Everett. I'm joined by the head odds maker at Bavada, Patrick Morrow, as we break down the latest odds in all the major sports. NFL week to week as the playoffs are upon us, we'll break down the latest odds plus the futures. It's the Bavada at Odds podcast. Find it wherever you get your podcasts. Sports MLB Show. Here are your hosts, the luckiest men on the face of the earth, Chase Fedorsky and Bryce Holden. We would like to welcome everybody to a very special edition of the Underdog Sports Baseball Show. Uh, it is not very often that we get the privilege of talking to a former big league player, uh, but that is the case tonight. Uh, Ryan Hannigan. 10-year catcher uh, throughout his major league career from 2007 to 17, correct? Yeah. Uh, got to play yep. all across the country, played for the Reds, Rays, the Rockies, and the Red Sox. Uh, so we're excited to talk baseball with him tonight, as well as his new role as director of MLB relations uh, with Win Reality. Uh, Ryan, welcome to the Underdog Sports Baseball Show. It's a privilege to have you on tonight. Thanks, guys. Yeah, it's a pleasure to be here. Absolutely. So tell us a little bit about when reality, um, admittedly for me, this connection was made a mutual friend of ours, Gabe Pleasant works with when reality. Uh, he sent me the platform a couple months back when he started working with the company. Uh, it seems like an awesome, awesome way to develop uh, baseball, both at the youth and the adult level. Uh, so how did you get involved with the company in general, uh, especially as the role as director of MLB relations? Yeah. Yeah. So originally that's what I thought. Um, I, when I was finished, I started working with some kids up north. I'm in the Northeast, giving back, doing some lessons at different facilities, just kind of trying to drop some knowledge. And uh, I came across the virtual reality training at one of the facilities and uh, I didn't spend a ton of time with it. I only messed with it for 15, 20 minutes, but I was like, wow, like you can take at bats off big league guys. Like that's, that alone is like what every guy's trying to get like more at bats in spring training more at bats in winter ball more at bats like whenever so that was just like my intro to it but then um i i know dan o'dowd i had a pretty good relationship with him throughout my playing years some good conversations he's a great analyst smart guy and um when i realized that he was founded the company, I did a little bit more research and had some conversations with him about what, where it all came from. And because uh, I know like virtual reality in general has got all kinds of stuff with games and different stuff, but this tool as it is, is like amazing for filling a niche, which as a general manager, he was trying to fill, which is getting guys better at like pre-swing decision-making, you know, train your eyes learn the strike zone and then feel the timing of the game. You know, the game is, is always moving so fast in spring training guys get there and we're trying to slow the game down, even a tick, you know, trying to make that decision a little bit earlier, the correct decision, you know, that is what it comes down to when you're having at bats and it's a skill set that like is, is, it's so hard to train at all. You know, like guys take so many swings, but you know, 
that can get you somewhere to an extent, but it's like, how many swings are you going to take in a day? Big league hitters, professional hitters usually have good swings. They, you know, they have a lot of ability, a lot of talent. A lot of it comes down to the decision-making before you swing, what you're swinging at, is your timing there? You know, is it strike? Did you read the pitch? Is it going to move? You know, all that stuff. And so when I got, when I got to experience the product incomplete, you know, in totality and see all the drills that are involved and then see the, the fact that you can really, you know, take at bats against any big league pitcher, you know, like I was like, man. And then I saw it and I used it. I, I, I did a whole deep dive and like spent a lot of hours doing drills and my mind was just going everywhere on like different ways it could be used you know, they have a great baseline set of drills that can test anything from like your reaction time to your timing to your strike zone recognition. There's different ways to do that. There's different drills involved that you can keep track of your progress. That's all fantastic. Um, but then like, you know, it's this, this company is this win when reality's got such impressive talent and their software guys that, you know, what we're going to be able to continue to build is like a lot of the information I'm, I'm relaying from a lot of the big league guys I know and the teams I've met with and the teams I'm continuing to meet with and talk to, I'm able to directly go back to the software guys and be like, okay, so, you know, these guys lo love this. They want to, they want a drill or, or a build out. that's more like, for example, we're working on stuff about game prep right now, which is pretty awesome. Like, you do your drills, you get your reaction time in terms of if, you, if you're familiar with the product, I might be speaking to people that haven't seen it, but there's all kinds of drills that gauge your reaction time and how quick you're picking up the ball, whether it was a strike. But then you can also just kind of relax and work on seeing the picture you're going to see, picking out what you as a hitter might want to focus on, you know, on your own instead of doing it, doing the drill that's, that's there. You can start to work at your own own pace and whatever, you know, big league guys, you know, that's what they want to do. They want to get in there and when they're getting going, you know, they don't want to work too hard mentally, but they also want to get a feel. They want to get their rhythm. These guys have movement before this ball is even in the air. They want to get that on time. They want to start seeing the shape of balls, you know, guys, big league pitchers, man, their stuff's nasty. And, you know, they want to be ready for when they can handle something. They want to try and eliminate zones. They want to, pick pitches and eliminate pitches work certain and all kinds of drilling like that training your eyes understanding the delivery that some guys have funky deliveries and how the ball explodes on you and being able to rep that consistently in a short period of time get 50 100 pitches five ten minutes you know man that's to me like there's just a no-brainer like i would have done that all the time and you know you got big league starters that play every day, you know, those guys get into a group because they're seeing pitches all the time, but there's the rest of the team isn't always playing every day. It's split time guys, part-time guys, you know, you got to keep them sharp. And that's like just at the big league level. And then you start filtering it down to the farm systems and to college ball and to youth ball. It's like, you know, what guys are doing at the top, the top, top level, which big league superstars are engaging in this. It's, you know, it's, it's just getting better. There's all kinds of guys that use it now. And I'm in, I'm in contact with a lot of others trying to open some eyes and let people see what we can do. Um, it's just, you know, it's, it's a way to train a skill set that's super important to hitting. And it's, 
you know, I was always like, so if I went out in spring training as a catcher, you know, I'm only going to get two at bats like the first month, you know, you play four or five innings, get your legs stronger. And then like the next day I won't play all, you know, I have a day on a day off. And the next day I'll go down to the minor league spring training games and get like 10 at bats, you know, just DH every inning. And because you're trying to get at bats, you know, you're trying to work on your timing, you're trying to slow the game down, you're trying to feel something. And you know, this just gives you a tool really wherever you are to do that. And, you know, I'm excited to work with, with, the, with the company to help relay a lot of the stuff I'm hearing to make it better, to make it, e cause like, to make it easy to use, you know, pro guys and big league guys have routines and schedules. And they don't have just hours every day. They can mess with stuff. So you make a plan, you get your guys you want to work on, you know, you set your reaction times, do some drills to make sure you're sharp that day. And then you game prep. And it's like, it, you know, to me, I would envision it being part of the routine in a lot of big, it already is in a lot of big league clubhouses and just continue to expand and grow um, throughout baseball. And there's different settings for, you know, farm league guys all the way down to college guys to the youth. You know, there's different levels you can work at. You're not, you don't take a 12 year old and try and face Chris Sale. You know, he can, he can watch that stuff and he can see it, but you know, there's, there's, there's relative um, speeds for different age groups and you can, you know, work here and you try and get better. You work hard. Maybe a, maybe a single A professional hitter wants to see what's going on at triple A gauge some of the spin rates, you know, guys, curveballs are sharper and their fastballs run a little bit more or explode or vertical break stuff. That's where some of the data and analytics can come into it. And it's kind of a nice mesh of like, a skill set training tool and then some data to back it up. And then, you know, for the youth and the rest of the levels, they have coaches and stuff that can help guys progress. And, uh, you know, it's virtual reality. So even for me, it was a little bit of a learning curve. You know, you first put it on, you're like in another world and it's, it's, it's awesome. It's like super cool. It's fun, you know, but then you kind of get down to brass tacks and you're like, all right, I want to train some stuff. I want to work my eyes off this right. It's, ripping two seamers is you know throwing sliders the ball's either running in on me or running away like i gotta pick one and i gotta get it on the plate i don't want to hit a corner and you just rep some pitches out have a best best you know have as good of a, an approach and a feel as you can get in the box with some confidence some a plan you know like that i always had to have a plan for me like you know i wasn't just trying to cover every zone you know these guys are too good you're trying to figure out times when you have best case scenarios to set your timing for a pitch and then adjust to maybe one other pitch you know and you know try not to hit defensive attack in the zone just simple basic hitting stuff and that's what's been fun for me being able to already make some trips out to, to Arizona and talk with these big league clubs and the hitting guys that are using it and hitting guys that are seeing it and just, you know, get it, get it in the conversation that this is, this is a tool that's like, you know, it's pretty awesome for training skill sets that apply specifically to hitters. And um, when you get into it and you really give it a shot and a hard look about what you can get better at, it's, there's a real chance for a lot of, players to get significantly better just because they're they're able to you know you're not ever facing a situation except in game when a pitcher's trying to get you out you know or they're either throwing you bp and letting you hit it or putting a pitching machine up there and firing them at you like either way it's not a pitcher trying to get you out and so 
you know, a lot of batting practice doesn't translate, you know, you don't get a fastball. You got all cutters and a breaking ball, like, or yeah, you got a fastball, but it was 97 up and in, like, what are you going to do with that? You know, you needed to pick the breaking ball, that pitch that was out over the plate to do something with just making decisions, making moves that are smart based on a hitter's stuff. And, you know, so for, so for me, it was when I saw, to sum it up when I saw like, you know, what the product is and what it's capable of and where it's gone and how much interest there is, it was, it was pretty awesome for me to be able to join like a company that's really kind of, you know, up and coming and new and a lot of passionate people that are excited, you know, and, and top to bottom, everyone's a team over there. And then it's like, you know, I get to, I get to hang out with big league hitters and just be around baseball to, to, to introduce them to a product that I solely believe in and just get their feedback on, you know, what they think and, and try to make it better. So it's, it's an awesome, it's an awesome gig for me, honestly. Uh, I enjoy, you know, I got to catch some fall league games and talk to a bunch of guys that are, you know, in, in the scouts or in, in you know, general managers and different guys about it. And, it's a fun conversation to have because it's, you know, it's, it's really a, a filling a niche that and a skill set in baseball, it's just hard to, to, to replicate any other way. It's the best sales job I've heard for any product in years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. See, I'm not trying to sell it hard like that. It's because, you know, it's, it's, it's awesome. I want guys to see it for themselves and, you know, just look at it realistically about what you're getting and what you get a chance to see. And like, you know, even in the off season, you know, you don't have like decline in timing. Guys show up in spring training and they're lost because they haven't seen pitching in three months and it takes a while. You keep the speed of the game, keep it, you know, keep things fresh. Everything's moving so fast. You know, you gotta, when guys get hot and in that zone, it's because they're slowing things down and they're relaxed and, you know, all that stuff can be worked on through through using virtual reality. So get on it, people. <laughs> you gave us the hitter perspective of win reality. As a former catcher, and I see you have the Johnny Cueto bobblehead behind you, um, could win reality be useful for catchers trying to adjust to new pitchers? Yeah, it's already being done. Um, you know, guys trade a pitcher mid-year. Where we have it now, you know, none of the none of the receptor buttons or anything are training drills, but you can have him just throw his repertoire and you can sit back there and you see the full line of the movement of the pitch, get a feel for where it, what his ball does. You know, it's tough. That's one of the toughest things as a catcher. Like if I like if you know, for, for example, when I would get injured or something, have to go to AAA to rehab, and you're catching games, you don't know none of these guys. And every bullpen guy, you're like, wait, what do you got? You got no idea where his ball's moving where he misses, you know, what side do you anticipate? Does he yank? Does he hang it high? Whatever. And so you want to feel for the, the action on the ball. And so guys do that right now. You know, they just sit back there and you can get a different perspective. Instead of standing as a hitter, you sit back as a catcher and you fire it. It shows the arc and the pitch and you can train that way. You know, I'm interested in working on doing some stuff with that in the future as we go. Um, you know, the sky's the limit for what it's just – a matter of time and how long it takes to build stuff out. But yeah, I mean, we're, we're, we're trying to, we're trying to cover it all eventually for sure. Yeah. We, we've definitely seen over the years, technology and baseball don't always have the best relationship with one another. Yeah. Um, both on and off the field as we've you know seen shout out to my beloved Houston Astros in that regard. Um, 
But this definitely seems like a formula that, you know, makes all the sense of the world, like you said, from players down at the youth level all the way up to people at the highest level in Major League Baseball. Uh, but talking about your career, uh, so you made your Major League debut with the Reds in 2007. Uh, so I have two questions surrounding that season. Uh, one, the first hit of your career uh, was a double off a of former all-star pitcher, Ben Sheets. And for any of our listeners who don't remember Ben Sheets, I mean, he was a guy before he went down with injuries. His stuff was as nasty as anyone. He was an ever. ace, man. I mean, he was their ace at, the, the at that time. He was, he was their number one. I mean, I remember yeah. playing MVP baseball. He was my go-to pitcher every time. Uh, so what was it like having that be your first big league hit off of a guy like Ben Sheets? Uh, and also just BP in general. I mean, that team, Scott Hatterberg of Moneyball fame, but also Josh Hamilton, Don, Ken Griffey Jr., a young playing third base, Edwin Encarnacion. What was it like to come up and be thrust right into the middle of a lineup like that? Yeah, those are all just great memories. Um, it's a funny story. So that game where I got my first hit was my first at bats, but I was actually in the bullpen, you know, because they have starting catcher and then they have the backup catcher and then all and we were call-ups. We were September call-up guys. So I was in the bullpen. It was like the sixth inning. And uh there was one out and like they called down like Hannigan, you're you're gonna be on deck here in a second. So, so like I'm like waiting for him to hit a foul ball or something so I can like mid pitch, full sprint, like call time, full sprint all the way down the left field around and around to get my stuff. Next pitch, ground ball out. So now Edwin's, I think it's Edwin's going up, and I'm up next. So I like as he's walking to the plate, I'm running from the bullpen to the dugout to get my bat and my stuff. And I'm like, well, maybe he'll like, you know, have a long at bat and I can get ready. Like second pitch, he like, I don't know what he does, gets an out or gets a hit or something. So either way, it's like literally by, I don't even have my batting gloves on and I'm up my first at bat in the big leagues. So I like take a little second, get my, get, get my breathing together, get in the box. And I'm like, all right, Ben Sheets throws, fastballs and he's got a nasty curveball i sure don't want the the breaking ball so he threw me first pitch fastball and i jumped it hit a double down the line so i didn't have time to think about it or be nervous and then uh it all worked out. i think the next the first game i started i ended up hitting a home run too like my third at bat so i settled in quick that was good and uh yeah so so those guys man yeah that was so i came up with the reds you know Throughout the minor league system, I'd been in big league camp since like 04. So really, even though I wasn't on the team, like I had spent three spring trainings with all those guys, with Griffey. I played with Josh Hamilton in AAA for a bunch of years. And that was that was a, a crazy experience because he to me, he was such a good dude. Like he had gone through all kinds of problems, but like he was on track. All he was like the first one at the yard every day, doing all kinds of extra work. And I basically got to play that full season in AAA with him that year in 07, because that's where he was getting his bats and playing, take BP with him every day. And it was like, man, this, this dude could hit the ball opposite field, like way farther than I could ever pull a ball ever, like consistently with ease. And he was just out there and he's like a 250 pound linebacker build, like, 
but he was in his prime, you know, he was 30 something and he was flying around and he was smashing. And I was just like, man, this guy was amazing. And he was such a good dude. He was just a hard worker. He was trying to get his life on track and he did. He got to the big leagues there, you know, a few months in and started, started his path in his big league career, obviously a little later than he would have liked, but I always had good things to say about him and whatever I saw of him, he, he was a great dude to everybody. He worked hard and he got it, got it together and uh, had a, had a solid career. And then, you know, Griffey, Griffey's awesome. He's a great dude. Obviously you don't have to say enough about him as a ball player, being around him and just watching him play is always a thrill. You know, when you get to big league level baseball, like I was, you can't be in awe of anybody. You know, I'm out there to let people know what I can do and win games and like, I had to command respect as a catcher, so I'm not going to get overwhelmed. But, yeah, I mean, Griffey does stuff on the regular. Even at, at the age he was, he was still – it was, you know, it was a different speed. As When I was catching and he would hit in spring training, you can just hear it's a different – it's like some guys, man, it's just different. And, you know, Hatterberg was fantastic. I, I developed a great relationship with him. I got one of his signed bats here. My mom, he's like my mom's favorite player ever. <laughs> <laughs> so I had to hook her up and he was awesome. All the guys were awesome. They treated us well. That team was, you know, trying to compete, you know, it was a different times, different era, different baseball, in my opinion. And, um, but that was my entrance into the big league baseball. And, you know, there was a lot of superstars that you had to, at the time, you know, you have to overcome that. You can't, you can't get caught up in that. And I was a little bit older by the time I got up to the big leagues, 27. So I wasn't, I was ready to go full confidence in good shape, ready to rock. And it was just, uh, those guys were all fun, great Paul players that all just, you know, I have great memories with for sure. Yeah. Um, again, fantastic answer that, that 07 Reds team. That's a fun team. That looked, that was a lot of fun dudes. Uh, yeah. We just talked about the era you came up in, which was the tail end of the steroid era. Yeah. How were steroids received uh, by 07? Were that, was that an issue that was talked by about? By the time I got to the big leagues, they had drug testing stuff. So I didn't, I, I really didn't personally see any of it. If it was still going on, guys, I guess kind of still got popped here and there throughout the next couple of years. Although I felt like most of that was more like, like um, not steroids, like PED stuff, like uppers and stuff. But yeah, I never saw it. Um, I know it was big prevalent when I was in the minor leagues, kind of those mid 2000s, the late 2000s, but I was still young buck trying to make my way. And I was in big league camp, but that was it. So I wasn't in big league clubhouses during the year. By the time I was there in seven, seven was a call up eight. I got up there halfway through and then nine through 17, I was in the big leagues, but those last couple of years, it wasn't, it just, you know, it was a lot of talk. Everyone that I saw was getting, was doing the right things. We all got drug tested like three, four times a year, really, since I can remember being in the big league. So, yeah, I mean, I know it was, it was a part of the game that was unfortunate, but, you know, I think it's, it's kind of been overshadowed by how good now and starting to get to then, but really like the last 10, 15 years, the strength and conditioning programs are the nutrition stuff and like everything you can possibly think of to help an athlete perform better, you know, it's legal. That's what teams are doing, you know, from food to such an intense strength and conditioning program with the proper, you know, 
mix for a guy's body and everything else in terms of rest and you can possibly do so guys really are you know and it's 12 month for me it always was i think that really helped me play a long time i would come home in the off season and take a couple months or sorry a couple weeks maybe two or three and then boom right back into training it's it's a 11 month of the year deal you're always working and you got to live that that lifestyle to be athletic if you want to and flexible if you want to have a, a, a longevity in the game and so, I mean, you know, I never saw it personally. And, um, you know, so, you know, obviously you, you, when you're playing, there's guys from that era that are still around that are still playing that there's talk about, but amongst the guys, amongst the players, it was, as long as we didn't see it, we didn't, if I didn't see it, no one saw it on, on teams I was on. I didn't really worry about it. So Ryan, one of the uh, comments you made to me when we got on this zoom was, you know, I was wearing, I'm wearing a Rockies hat right now. You obviously played for the Rockies was how you played for Bud Black. Uh, Bud Black, Dusty Baker, you know, you, you played for some, Joe Madden as well. You played Madden. for some of the best managers we've had in baseball for the past 30 years. And guys that when you think of old school baseball guys, they're right there at the top of the list. Uh, but all that said, we've seen the role of the manager in baseball really over the past five, 10 years change so much with analytics. Uh, in your mind, having played under those guys, uh, what do you think is should be the role of the manager in today's game? Uh, and as a former catcher, I have to ask, just because we see it so often, do you ever have the itch to go into coaching? <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, the role of the manager is – it's, you know, organizations have the right to, to hire managers based on whatever criteria they want to fill, and that's that's a – personal decision for organizations in terms of how much influence they want the manager to have over everything from player personnel to the lineup card to administrative decisions, all of it. And it's, you know, depending on the, the manager's experience, personality and or, you know, relationship with the, with the organization, it's, it's, it's a varying wide ranging degree of what a manager's role can be in job, you know, you want a guy in today's game from 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 what I gather for the most part that has some understanding of the analytics factor of the game and what's going into evaluating players. That's that's not going away. Um, data gatherings being used constantly and there's you know, teams are getting smarter and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, you know, even I would say some of the old school mentalities, it's all mixed together in terms of building an organization, building players, building talent, the farm system. Um, obviously the manager's job, I would say universally for every team is to make your, make that chemistry in the locker room and the clubhouse daily. I mean, daily, um, as good as it can possibly be, try and get the best out of guys every day. I was fortunate to play for some of the best with that. Yeah. I mean, these guys, man, I had played for John Farrell as well with the Red Sox and then Dusty for a long time, um, Joe Madden and Bud Black. And I mean, so I go on and on, you know, these guys are fantastic at bringing it every day. First of all, when they show up at the field, they're the same, you know, everyone can get emotional about baseball. But from what I see, these guys, for the most part, try and bring an even keel that, uh, you know, guys, you're going to play bad. <laughs> you're going to lose, you know, but it's how you handle it. It's how you get guys to get ready to play each day. 
Um, you know, personalities, how you deal with personalities in, in, in baseball is important. As a catcher, you understand that. I mean, everyone's buttons are a little different and uh, you got to understand what guys, what makes them tick. And that that's about developing relationships. And so really a lot of the best managers are, are doing that, developing those relationships, trying to understand guys, trying to create an overall mentality of, you know, we're here to win games and, you know, no one's, you know, no one's going to feel sorry for you type of thing. You know, you're a professional athlete, so you, you strap it up and play hard, you, you know, you do your thing. We're not going to have any problems type attitude. And, and then you just have brilliant baseball minds that see all the little things in the game that, that get missed, uh, all the things that can possibly help you get through one pitch or one at bat or get an out, you know, matchup guys. There's all kinds of things that are required. But when you play baseball long enough every day for years and years, you get, you see all that stuff. And these guys, man, they don't miss a thing. It's funny. These, these older managers, I don't care if they're old. They're, I got eyes at the back of their head, at the side of their ears. They know what's going on. They don't miss a thing. They're always watching, always soaking up information, and they know how to they know how to get push guys to be their best. And you know, baseball's hard. It can be tough. You're gonna suck. You're gonna get frustrated. But a lot of the best managers have great relationships with their guys and help guys and the team pick each other up and go out and compete every day. You know, it's a long year, man. It's a long year. Um, and there's ups and downs, but when you when you bring that type of mentality consistently throughout a course of period of time, it's 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 a it's not it doesn't go by the wayside. It's really important to the players and organizations understand that stuff too. So I think I think managers have a lot of help probably with some of the analytics stuff and putting some numbers with some decision making. And there's groups of people that all are influenced in that, so everyone get on the same page with what, what they're thinking, but. Once the game starts, you get in between the lines and you're trying to win a baseball game, that kind of, you know, some of the matchup stuff's important, but, you know, positioning for the defense against certain types of hitters, that that's really come a long way. Even in the last seven, eight years of my career, where the defense shifts and all that stuff, that's, you know, that's taking outs away. It just is, you know, they're, they're right more than they're wrong. They overshift again. It's just... And you got to learn how to call a game accordingly and do things smart so everyone's on the same page. But, you know, everyone's trying to get that advantage. They're trying to use numbers if they help. And um, a lot of times they do. There can always be too much info. But, you know, you, you know, these guys are pretty smart. You'd be surprised. A lot of these baseball players, it's what they do. They want that stuff. They want to know if this right-handed hitter is going to shoot the gap, at, you know, towards the fence or if he's going to slice it and have to play in a little bit. They want that information because it's based on numbers. It's based on stats. It's based on enough repetitions to where you have a baseline for a guy. And then you go try and win a game and put it all together. It's a chess game, man. And it's, it's, it's a lot of pieces. It's a business. You know, there's money involved. So there's a lot going on in the organization that affects a manager and who guys want to hire and why. And there's a lot of in-game stuff that, you know, I would say experienced managers have been through a little more, so have a lot of a lot of leverage and a lot of influence when it's time to come down to it and win a game. But um, yeah, there's some good ones, and I was fortunate, very fortunate. I learned a lot from those guys. I still talk to all of them. Uh, I still have a relationship and try and stay in touch with those guys. And um, yeah, man, that was that was I was blessed with that for sure. Did you find yourself rooting for Dusty this year in the World Series? I did, man. I did. Well, sorry. Hang on.
Yeah, I absolutely did. Um, I couldn't help it, man. He's got, he's met, he's just, I was hoping he'd get one. Uh, although he did a fantastic job with that team, fantastic team, so much to deal with, you know, for, for whatever people think rightly or wrongly about what happened and all that stuff. Um, he came in, you know, that wasn't on him and he tried to, you know, patch it together and get guys to kind of ignore the noise and move in the right direction. And he obviously did that. He got them to the world series, didn't work out. They played a good year, had a great season. They just, I think they just got him up for another year. So obviously the guys still love him. I mean, he's the type of guy you go out and you want to win for him. You know, you want to win for dusty because he's awesome. He's, he talks to you. He wants to know what's going on with you. He'll bring you like, he would leave me, my locker, you know, I play six days in a row. I'd come in, he'd have like the most, uh, the awesomest, like Southern cooking. Like you'd go find a place that he knew when he played and go get someone to whip and have it all fresh. Just little things like that, you know, and you know, he cares and, um, and he's very passionate about his guys. And yeah, I wanted him to win that one, but, but, but I, you know, Hey, congrats to the Braves. It's fun, fun team explosive exciting team you know they played awesome good for atlanta it's all good you know it was it's all good uh so part of your career you caught two two homer bailey no hitters um a couple questions about those are the superstitions we hear about uh from afar all those things are those true people stay away from him during the game yeah, oh yeah. You stay away from them and don't say anything about how many hits there are, and you're you're good as long as you do those two things. Pretty much, I mean, you don't have to be ridiculous to stay away from them, but just give them a space, let them stay in his zone, and don't say anything about how many hits we've given up, which is none, and we're good. Yeah, but I mean, we had Homer, man. He's one of those rare pitchers. It's like a Verlander, and these guys, man, they get stronger. If you watch as the game goes, they have big, big, strong legs, man. And they train their legs, big dudes, powerful lower halves. And they spend the first two, three, four innings, if they can, you know, sitting 92, 94, a couple 95s, working, making pitches, not trying to blow, you know, hitting fastball corners, throwing some hitters count breaking balls for strikes, you know, making smart fastball decisions with two strikes. And then as the game goes on, when, when things start, you know, situations calm, when guys are in base or in scoring position, then they step on it. Then they're throwing 97, 98. And that was him, man. He, he'd sit at three, four, five, still with kind of just mainly being a power pitcher down, pumping heaters, pumping sliders, couple splits. And then as we got into the fifth, sixth, fastball, you started to feel it. Fastball is 97, 98. 99 hitting corners at the knees everything's a little crisper and then then we roll you know we, we take the information from how we got the guy out last time and then compute that with what i think he's thinking now and then we make a pitch and then we read his swing and we go to the next one it's one pitch at a time ran through it twice beautiful thing so going hand in hand uh with that red staff i mean I remember growing up being in high school. I mean, that staff you caught uh, between Homer Bailey, Matt Latos, Johnny Cueto. I mean, such an overpowering staff. I think you got Reds three division titles in four years there from 07 to 11. Um, no, I was 10, 10, 12, and 13. Yeah, I was, I was back there for all those. Yeah, man. 
but you were the uh, starting catcher for the infamous wild card game with Johnny Cueto on the bump in Pittsburgh. Crowd's yeah. going crazy. He drops the ball on the mound. You know, as a catcher, what's going through your head in that situation uh, where you could see, at least from a fan's perspective, that maybe the crowd's getting to your starting pitcher that day? Honestly, like Johnny Cueto's not, doesn't, he's not really the get nervous type. He's like, yeah, that was a little early in his career, but he's, he pitched in big games, Yankee Stadium games. Dude, we play, I played in a, in a bunch of different playoff games at this point now. But like, dude, that was, so there was a football game that night too in Pittsburgh. That was the loudest I've ever, 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 ever been in a stadium. And San Francisco gets crazy loud in playoff games. It seemed like there was somewhat of a football crowd slash baseball crowd because there was a game and it was just crazy loud. Yeah. And, and I think he like stepped off the mound to like kind of re- reabsorb himself and he boop, dropped it right out honestly like he didn't have his stuff that night either way like he didn't really have it in the pen it just happens you know it's unfortunate that it was that game um but what are you gonna do i mean he's pitched a a bunch of great games and big big playoff games and other situations throughout his career it's just i'll tell you though that was a loud one i mean i played at the red sox in 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 the postseason put colorado in the postseason reds three times with philly and San Francisco, that one game there was by far the craziest, loudest game. I mean, I couldn't, I was, I couldn't, I was yelling at when I was out there. We were right next to each other. It was intense. You know how football guys talk about, no, it was louder than that. You can't hear nothing. So it's like, I don't know what he was thinking. He probably couldn't think anything because his brain was rattling. You know, it was just, they, they, that home field advantage really helped them. And then they got a couple of hits and it's just a home run or something. And then it was just over. It's just so loud. You couldn't hear anything, but, but uh, yeah, that's what happened. How many, you said he didn't have it that night. How long does it take you? How many pitches into a game does it take for you to tell if the pitcher has it or not? Um, It's hard to say. Like it's, <laughs> there's no, there's no, Every guy's different. Like I've had guys go out and throw awful bullpens right before the game and then go out and deal. And I've had the opposite happen too. And um, guys, guys, plus guys can get lucky, you know, they can throw bad pitches and it looks like they're doing fine and guys are just missing them. And that happens too. hitters get themselves out. Uh, but yeah, but you can really tell for an example, if, if a guy's velocity is down consistently or, he just does like sometimes guys just don't like have a breaking ball they can throw for a strike. It's just they're either gonna throw it, you know, spike it in the dirt or hang it high. And so hitters just sit and heater. Some some simple stuff like that's a good way to tell. But I mean, once you get to like a more competitive time in the season, like playoffs or big, big games towards the end of the season, then it then it's tough. Then the pitcher coaches and the manager have to kind of they're not, you know, you have a shorter leash, you know, you gotta, you gotta be, I don't like when guys waste even one pitch in a bat, even if you are always trying to throw a strike, but we're trying to throw a ball to a location to get a purpose out of it. And if you waste one, I'm usually just like, all right, shoulder, like, you know, head on me. But if you waste two, I call time. Like, Hey, you can't like, you can't just be throwing pitches all for no reason. Like that's not going to, you got to pick something get it down. And then if, if you can't make any adjustments here, then, like, you know, I, I got to a point where I played enough where I'd be like, no, like, what do you want me to do here? You can't, you know, 
I always tried to get guys right. I didn't want them out of the game. You know, guys wanted it. I got my guys to where when they, when they were off, they knew why, you know? So like, as soon as they missed one pitch, I'm not going to let them miss another one the same way. It's mechanical or it's tempo and you got to fix it right now because it's big leagues, you know, you can't be floating stuff in here. And so with that mentality in terms of working guys, like I never let them get out of it. Once it, again, you'll be, again, we over quick. If you just sit back there and say, he doesn't have it. Like that wasn't an option. It's figure it out and let me keep working to help figure it out. And like, at least while you're figuring it out, let's pitch smart and try and get through some innings. You got to eat up some innings, you know, we got to get through it somehow. And there's different ways you can go, but it's, it's tough when that happens. It can, it can be hard. Before we wrap up, Brian, I got two more quick questions for you. Uh, the first goes hand in hand with what you were just talking about, you know, the catcher's mentality. What was it like being able to say that you were the first ever major league catcher uh, to catch a Roldis Chapman in a regular season game? Yeah, it was just another day at the park for me. I mean, really, you're trying to win a game. We got a young dude in here that's nervous, throwing 105. Like, so what I'm trying to say is, yeah, no, it wasn't another day. We were, we were trying to get him to throw as many strikes as he can and uh, not break the radar gun. Because he came up, he was trying to break the radar gun with every pitch, and then he realized – Everyone knows you throw 105. Let's try and get out. Throw as many strikes as you can. Work on your in-between pitch tempo so you're in a good groove. I mean, I just wanted him to – he's going to throw 10 to 15 pitches. I wanted him to throw as many strikes as he can. I don't care where strikes because his stuff's so nasty, you're not going to string together multiple hits. He's going to get walk a couple guys and give up one hit. That's how he's going to lose. You know, he's not going to give up two singles and a double. He's just not, he's that good at that time. He was that good and overpowering. So, and then he just settled in a couple switch strike to ball sliders mixed in and it was wrap. It was over. He just dominated. I got to ask. But when I first saw him first day I ever saw him spring training, he was throwing playing catch foul pole to foul pole. And he had two dudes, two guys playing double relay in between and he'd throw it. It was pretty funny. You could see the arm strength right away. I got to ask you, uh, and this will be our last question before we wrap up. Uh, it's a conversation Bryce and I have had at maybe every single Major League Baseball game we've attended with each other across the country. Uh, and the question always is if we were professional baseball players, what would our walk up song be? Uh, so, what was your go to walk up song during the I was terrible. I always got made fun of. I don't know. Like, I like all music. I like, um, I like anything from hip hop to rock to even some country, but like, I didn't even hear it, dude. I, I'm like one of those guys. I was just thinking about the picture and what I'm trying to do. It wasn't like going to help me get in my groove, you know, like, I don't know. I'm just locked in. I'm trying to, I'm trying to like be as quick as I can, but then as relaxed as I can. So I had like a process. It was like some breathing, but then keep some movement. And then like, trying to focus my eyes on the center field and then to the pitcher to get my depth perception. And you're just constantly trying. So, so to me, that was over before it even started, before it even started. And I was just, I would hear it like on the end deck circle, but I'm not even going to get into what I had. I don't know. Boys, the boys were always like, that's weak. And I'm like, well, pick something. I don't know. And then I 
leave it for another two months because I was hitting good, but it still sounded stupid. But I was like superstitious. So guys get good ones though. Guys, some some guys, man, the game's easy and they just they get in their flow, they get their music, and they go out and rake. So God bless them. Perfect answer. Ryan, thank you for taking the time to talk to us today. Uh, really appreciate it. Check out Win Reality. It's an awesome new product. And uh, be on the lookout for Ryan and his big league friends uh, and the company itself to take this thing to the next level. Uh, Ryan, enjoy the rest of the week. Thank you again. I enjoyed it, fellas. Take it easy, fellas.